and welcome to this episode of Turkish TV Time. Today we're talking about Shahmaran, episode six, episode of season one. Uh, we'll see <laughs> if we do season two, but this is episode six of season one, where um, Maran twitches on a marble slab for 45 minutes. That's pretty much what happened. I am not drinking any tea but um, I kind of wish I had an iced tea. That would be nice. Oh, that means it's warm where you are. Yeah. <laughs> I am very, very jealous because Bogota is never warm. At least not at night. Yeah, well, you'll have to come visit. <laughs> I need to. I need to for sure. So now I am going to take us through what happened in this episode. I happen to know that Sophia watched this on a bit of a higher speed. So we'll, she, we'll see if she can help me out, but hopefully she can if I missed anything. My notes are pretty short for this episode. I feel like um, really not much happened. So we'll go through it. Okay, so we see, um, we open on a lady who finds just a ton of dead cows, just all the dead cows, they're all killed over dead. And that seems like a bad omen. Then we see the lady on the marble who is twitching. Um, she doesn't seem to have changed her position much since the last episode. Maran's dad, who I'm sorry, I've forgotten his name, reads uh, the newspaper about the dead cows and chats with Jihan's dad. And they also are talking about Maran, and they say that he is at the worst stage, whatever that means, but apparently this is something that happens every so often, so they don't seem to be too worried about it. Siba uh, steals Maran's phone and texts Shasu that he's away for the week, but, you know, that he still loves her and everything, which um, seemed like a good idea to me, but then she gets in trouble for it later. Davut gets unhandcuffed from the couch by Shasu after he wakes up and he confuses Medine and Shasu. So he is, um, I guess, just not all there mentally, which I'm pretty sure this is the first sign we've seen that he's not just grumpy, but also like having some mental issues, uh, remembering things. So then um, Jihan is assigned to protect Shasu because Maran is out of commission, which we know that Maran is just going to absolutely love that. And he takes her out to lunch, as they do, but he takes her to the worst part of town anyone has ever seen. There's people like straight up bleeding in the street here. It's very confusing. Uh, we'll talk about it later, but I'm guessing that this is like Basilisk Town. Because we know that they live in the bad part of town. Just in case you're thinking of visiting Adana, it does not look like that. It's a lovely city, uh, very pretty, and beautiful river and greenery and stuff, and um, not like that. So I don't know what that was. Shasu and Jihan chat about the assignment that she gave her students, the story of Shamaran, and they talk about Jamsap, who was the lover of Shamaran who betrayed her. And Jihan, this is just so bizarre. I have to talk about this scene. Jihan gets up to like go to the bathroom. Shasu says, yo, can I have a coffee to the cafe manager guy? And he just completely ignores her. 
Then these three very scary looking townies sit down at the next table and are staring at her. Then the entire friggin' town comes and is walking slowly towards her like zombie style, plus some dudes on motorcycles. And they're all like coming at her and she's freaking out. And then Jihan just walks out and grabs her and they just walk away. And it's so weird. I don't know what is going on. I don't know if he like thought better of it. We'll talk about it. So then uh, Shasu goes to the Adams family house to look for Maran. And then she leaves and the dad is pissed off that, that Diba interfered um, by texting her. So I guess she was supposed to just let her think that he was dead and that would help them fall in love. I don't know what the dad is thinking. It was very weird. Then they, uh, Davut, Shasu, and the helpers are at dinner. Davut, I guess he's explaining what happened, but it's more just like shown as a flashback um, when he left Shasu's mom, Gu, and he just got a taxi and left. But Shasu absolutely freaks out at the story. Medine is sick, which we know when you see a woman get sick to her stomach on TV, that means she's pregnant. And Shasu is decides that she's ready to leave because she's so pissed off at Davut for hearing this story. And so she texts Maran that she's ready to run away with him. Fortunately, Maran is out of commission, so this doesn't work so well. Davut tells Salit, is that his name, to take Medine to the doctor. And Shasu tells Jihan, finally tells Jihan to back off. Which, like, wow, you, he need, nearly got you killed by a mob, and that was what took it for you to tell him to shut up and back off. And she's missing Maran, and she's sad. There's a angsty montage as the days pass. Shasu smokes a lot, and she misses Maran. Jihan steals Shasu's recorded notes on her phone and listens to them. Uh, so he has an idea of what she's thinking. Davut's is like, don't worry, Shasu, Maran is a good guy, which is so weird coming from him. I don't know what his angle is. Now he's all for this. It's I, very confusing. Shasu goes to Adam's family house again and confronts the sisters. And the sisters are like, ooh, you love him. And she's like, cut the crap. But then she just walks back out. So she literally accomplishes nothing. Um, we learn that Medine is pregnant and Davut gives Salit a big hug, which is sweet, I guess. We see really disgusting images of Maran shedding his snakeskin. It's like so horrifying. Um, just unbelievably gross. The prosthetics, they clearly spent some money on. And we see Shasu, she's going for a swim in the lake as she is wont to do. She still doesn't have a bathing suit, still wearing her lingerie. And then Jihan is there, which is really creepy because it's dark, it's nighttime, and I just had a very bad feeling about it. Maran wakes up on his marble slab. They love marble, this species. And so we know that he's going to come and interfere somehow. Then Jihan and Shasu are in the car. He's being really sketchy and angsty, and he's also driving really fast. Although I have some issues with the uh, driving scenes. I feel like they could have spent a little more on the stunt drivers. Not sure why she got in the car with him. I assume she drove to the lake, so this whole thing is really weird. 
They are heading to Anavarza Castle, which Sophia did a previous history section about, if you're curious. And Maran is standing there in the middle of the road like Vin Diesel. And then he kind of like tackles Jihan and they just like disappear off into the night on the side of the road. And then we switch to Maran's dad's study. Jihan's dad is also there and there's a lady there. Not sure who she is. Is she the cow lady? Is she the deaf lady? I'm not. Is she the selling shots to the necklace lady? Those are the only other ladies I know. I don't remember. Um, but she seems very important. And then Chasu is on the side of the road and she's freaking out as Maran and Jihan fight in the distance and there's like weird animal screaming noises. And that is the end of the episode. Now we're going to move on into our gossip slash banter slash spilling the non-existent tea section. So, Sophia, what did you think? Ugh, I like, I don't know. I like really dislike a lot of this episode. Um, starting with like, I think it's hard to tell if Jihan is like, if he's trying to grab her to deliver her somewhere or if he's like having an internal debate, whether he's on her side or on whomever hired her hired him side yes like, yes like it's it's bizarre that part to me is is confusing and I can't quite grasp what the whole point of of him is and like I still think we don't really know who Jihan is other than he's the son of this other man you know yeah yeah like, agreed we don't have any insight into like internally what's going on with him he was exactly. really angsty in the car but like was that just, oh, I hate Maran, I'm so jealous of him? Was that like, I'm going to betray my people? Is the dad plotting against Maran's dad? We have no idea what the yeah, stuff is there. Exactly. That's like quite confusing to me. What else about this episode? This is just a bizarre episode. Like, why did, again, why did she go swimming at night? Like, that's not the time to go swimming in a lake and like a By natural- herself- in her underwear in a strange place in a lake in the dark with no lights what is she doing yeah so yeah that's that's like quite confusing to me um what else happened this episode that okay so the whole like medina getting pregnant and like there's apparently a chain of events going on that is like like it's all tied to something like the cows dying and this woman getting pregnant and whatever mm -hmm. but like there's not enough information for us to like say like oh well that's like really scary or like whatever because we don't have enough information for us to be exciting or not exciting to us right right and also like I almost felt like should I be creeped out by this because uh the magic here that's at work here is like very ominous yeah. I'm not sure I'd want like a devil basilisk baby, you know? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Like, or I feel like something weird's gonna happen with the pregnant. I don't know. It's it's just odd. It's weird. Um 
And then just her grandfather like has now got into this weird state where he's like not remembering the present, just the past. That was really confusing. And like, he, like we still don't know why he left them. And like, we know that the three of them, like her, her mother and him have some sort of type of mental something that's related to like insomnia and like hallucinations and weird stuff and sleepwalking. But like, I don't know. We don't have enough information. It's just really no. And and now that you bring that up, like, have we seen anything about her mental illness in the past three or four episodes? Just her voice notes. Yeah, but like, but nothing. No, like symptoms. No, and then we see her mother Ghoul, like for the first time this episode, which is interesting. Um. Yeah, I, I have no clue. Honestly, I'm just like really lost. I don't even know what to think about where this show is going because like I can't I can't conjecture where it would go. No, I mean, like I'm kind of glad we're in this format because if I was watching it on my own, I would never finish it. But yeah. this way, we're going to find out what the hell happens. And I am kind of curious, like, what are they doing here? Yeah, I I, I don't understand. Okay, can we talk about like basilisk village slash the ghetto like that was so bizarre like she's like i'm going to a cafe to great to finish grading this and then he just takes her to this place that's evidently really weird it was like completely unpaved so it was like all dirt and like there's this random ass cafe in the middle of this like it was so weird i don't understand so weird and then the whole mob is like coming to get her but as soon as he puts his arm around her and starts walking they just are like oh yeah it's fine go ahead yeah it's bizarre shasu doesn't seem doesn't wonder why all those people were out to get her true I think she does, but he like whisks her away and she doesn't have time to react because she's in a car at high speed. Right. Afterwards, no? When do they go from the motorcycle to the car? They motorcycle to the cafe. To the wind from the cafe. But then it's like a whole different day where she's in the lake and he comes and gets her. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, like, I have no clue where the show is going. I have no clue of the role of the other characters, as I mentioned in the last episode. And I don't know. I'm just kind of annoyed. I just, I'm ready to get some answers or be do the Ezgi and quit the show entirely. <laughs> we can't do that, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I agree. I'm very confused. And uh... yeah, I mean, I. I don't even know what else we can talk about other than Anna Varsa. Like clearly there's something at that castle. Like the evil snakes are at that castle. Yeah. I, yeah. I admit, yeah, I guess we, now we know that the twitchy marble lady and snake face hoodie guy are at that castle. Yeah. And, and then this other woman that emerged, the one who's all her cattle died. Who is she? Like now new character. Yeah. And was, is the woman whose cattle died the same woman that showed up in the office? Yes. Okay. Okay. 
So she's clearly important. Maybe she's like the second wife that Maran mentioned, who's the mother of two of the sisters. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I I don't know who anyone is because we don't have enough information for anything. <laughs> Uh, if if listeners like if you understand more about this or you want to like disagree with us please like write us um there's a uh what did you think about this episode question under our spotify episodes or you can tweet at us um yeah we we're confused we're very confused yeah. very confused very very confused also confused about what superpowers basilisk people have they seem to have like super strength i don't even know and like why don't they show us the fight do they both turn into snakes and start fighting each other <laughs> that would be so lame <laughs> they're just snakes fighting. oh my god i hope that's in the next episode <laughs> oh man that would be amazing no i don't know i'm very curious about everything <laughs> All right, so now we're going to move on into our history section where we're going to talk about omens um, because of the dead cow omen that we got at the beginning of this episode. Yes. So an omen, well, as we all know, it's it's something that is like thought to be a sign about something that's going to happen in the future, like a change. Um, and in ancient times, it was believed that it brought a message from the gods and for example like omens usually are like natural phenomena like an eclipse or for example if animals or humans are like born abnormally um or for example if a sacrificial lamb acts like oddly before going to slaughter and usually like there would be people that would interpret these omens um and they communicate with the gods to try to understand specific things that are happening. And usually what they did would have a binary answer, like favorable or unfavorable, like disaster or like something good is coming. Basically, an omen is not necessarily bad. It can be good or bad. Um, but it's usually it has like a negative connotation, like even the, the word ominous comes from omen. So, yeah. It's like basically it it comes from Latin and means of like of uncertain origin. So definitely um things that are kind of odd. And so the the like this be the, the first that's been seen of this in the in the ancient Near East was in, in Mesopotamia in the second millennium BC. Um where there were there was interpretation of omens through like liver divination. Lekanomancy, which means like using a dish of water um, to divine things. Libanomancy uh, was done through observing um, incense smoke. And then hepatoscopy, which um, it's like investigating the organs of sacrificed animals, usually the livers of sacrificed sheep or poultry, which sounds weird um so also it was like in in Assyria in Assyria uh there were a lot of astrological omens 
So like, as we saw in Atiyah, like for example, the Sirius star being a negative omen um, and, you know, basically would help you to avoid a, a terrible fate if you, if you evaluated omens. Um, and even like, Apparently, the Assyrian king would hide if there was a negative omen and he would put a substitute on the throne. Oh, wow. And the substitute king would take the evil consequences of the omen. When the danger was over, they would execute the substitute king and then the true king would come back. Oh, God. <laughs> you wouldn't want to be the substitute. Definitely not. <laughs> um, um, I I looked up an omen um, from the Trojan War because... Yeah. As we know, Troy is in modern day Turkey. And so there's a lot of, a lot, a lot of omens um, described in the Iliad. But uh -huh. the one of the most significant was when um, the host of Greeks were setting out for Troy, they um, made sacrifices to the gods and they saw a snake uh, dart out from under the altar. It uh, went up a tree it ate a nest of eight young sparrows and the mother bird, and then it turned into, into stone. And so the seer, Kalchas, uh, um, interpreted that to mean that the war would last nine years and it would end in the 10th year with the destruction of Troy. And guess what? He was right. So <laughs> um, Agamemnon had already received an oracle from Delphi that Troy would fall when the best of the Greeks quarreled. So there was a lot of a lot of omens. Um, ancient Romans also had a position called the augur, and they performed augury, which was basically making predictions from omens of bird sightings and behavior of birds. Interesting. That's crazy and scary. I like dealing with dead animals and trails kind of creeps me out a little bit I, yeah yeah even cooking freaks me out so you can imagine just <laughs> cutting chicken skin is no i completely thing. agree i i mostly cook vegetarian just because like handling raw meat really freaks me out <laughs> yeah agreed 100 percent. so in ancient greece of course there were also omens and in antiquity it was the carnivorous vulture which was a prophetic bird which is weird um and so like watching the birds cries or where it drew like the augurs that were the ones that interpreted the omens like they tried to predict the future and then also like lightning or thunder were omens from zeus and they they represented the divine will of the gods um and like how they reacted to human endeavors and so the three signs that greeks um paid really close attention to were, were oh the signs not the three when they saw vultures from left, um, it was a bad omen. The cry of a heron or lightning to the right was a positive omen. And for example, like also if, if a victim was willing or unwilling to approach the altar, um, and if it's like awful or its child was, not child, it's awful, I guess is the word, <laughs> what, like how it reacted when they were sacrificed. And then in Rome, apparently it was also... Um, flying birds would be like a response to specific questions so like if the bird would fly left then it was positive and if it fly right it was negative um but then like for example if there's a raven on the right and a crow on the left it's favorable so apparently 
um, this became <laughs> very elaborate. Um, <laughs> also like the behavior of, of sacred domesticated chickens that were going to be sacrificed. Sacred chickens. Yeah. Examine the <laughs> liver, lungs, and entrails of animal sacrifices, mm -hmm. like to answer specific questions. So I guess this is going to sound like a really dumb equivalent, but it's like the magic eight ball. Like you ask a yes or no question and then you like try to interpret it. <laughs> and like, actually the meaning of these sorts of things was like officially even debated in the Roman Senate. Wow. Um, but like apparently certain phenomena such as meteor showers, hermaphrodite births, or blood rain um, meant that the gods had been angered. Ugh. Um, I've never seen blood rain, but that's Me awesome. neither, but awesome. it sounds terrible. Um, and basically like when you would get a bad omen, you would make sacrifices to the gods in order to placate um, mm. them because they seem to be upset at you. And then apparently certain words would also carry like prophetic content which interesting um and like for example this the, a consul was going to go on a campaign against a king perseus and he heard his daughter say that her dog persa had died and because the names were the same and the dog died like it was a sign that perseus would be defeated oh wow yeah this seems pretty difficult to understand <laughs> Well, that's why you had um, to be a professional. So yeah, of course, like solar and lunar eclipses were of course um, also omens um, of notable births, deaths, or significant events. Um, and like, for example, a, a, a obvious omen now is like a black cat is a bad luck and those sorts of things. So yes, I am of the belief that you can turn anything into meaning something bad or good is going to happen. So yes. I'm not a big woman believer. I, I don't know. I, I think that that kind of thing can exist, but um, I definitely know that a field full of dead cows is a bad omen. I don't need a yeah. professional ancient Roman interpreter to tell me that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. That was a good one. Now we're going to move on into our favorite and final section, which is what the fuck, Sultan of Success, and Fatima's hit list. All right. What the fucks? What you got? Mm, swimming in the lake at night for sure is a what the yes. fuck for me. Yes. Clearly, none of the people writing this show are women because I would never do that. That's so dangerous. Yeah. Getting in a car with a dude that's tried to grope you more than once and is like giving you bad vibes also kind of blows. yes agreed also but never blame <laughs> but like yeah i don't understand why she keeps like being okay with him when he's being such a freaking weirdo it makes no sense to me he's like clearly not on a level and she's just like oh yeah yeah take me to this random ass cafe that's like two hours away from my school and it's like such a bizarre 
like he takes her to a really weird sketchy town and stuff i don't know it's i'm odd. sure they have a professor's lounge i'm sure they have a cafeteria yeah what are we doing and, here and i'm sure that's not the cafe that she was referring to <laughs> yeah i i have what the fuck to the mob and the jihan and all of that what the fuck to shasu's outfit when she's like sitting outside at school and she's like leaving a voicemail for Maran. She's wearing like a a pirate shirt. It's got like really puffy sleeves and it's like a leather vest. It's and a blue and a jean skirt. It's so weird. Her outfits are so weird. I don't remember that. Oh well also the sister is like texting and laughing and like thinking it's like so funny when it's like driving her nuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I have Shasu getting in the car also. Well, it's also her her um tradition of going to swim in her underwear and then putting on clothes over it over right. her wet underwear. Right. That is so bizarre. Oh my gosh, you're so right. What is she doing? And she doesn't she didn't even have a towel, did she? No. No. <sighs> Maybe her snake skin like repels water or something. Who knows? Okay, Sultan of Success. I guess Maran, because he finally got over his skin shedding illness. <laughs> the bar is very, very low, but I agree that it's Maran. <laughs> okay, what about the hit list? Mm, Jihan. Jihan, yeah, Jihan. Yep, yep, yep. He, with the cafe thing and then the reckless driving, I really can't forgive reckless driving. I just think it's so stupid. Yeah. Oh, that was another what the fuck for me that I forgot to mention was the the driving scenes. Uh, I guess I just watch a lot of like, we see a lot of driving scenes, driving stunts in movies, and it just looked so fake. And every time they like, Shasu went like, ugh, in the car, it just looked so fake. True. All right. Well, congratulations to our Sultan of Success, Maran. Watch out to Jihan. I mean, you don't really need to watch out. Maran is currently kicking your ass. So I think it's like pretty much a done deal. <laughs> but thank you all so much for listening. And we will talk to you next time about episode seven. Bye.